This is womensleadershipsuccess.com radio, episode number 33, An Insider's Secrets for Women Leaders, How to Get Your First Seat on a Corporate Board, with Sabrina Brahm and Ann Mannix, a veteran member of many corporate boards. Do you want to develop your career, be a better leader? Being on a board will accelerate your career and expand your network. Even if you don't want to be on a board, listen to this show and you'll get lots of tips that will help you get promoted. Unfortunately, for decades, America's boardrooms have been closed to most women. We intend to change that, and this two-part series with Anne will help you do that. Anne Mannix reveals an insider's look at strategies that are easy, fun, and doable for getting on a board and excelling. Be sure to listen for a special offer at the end of the show on how to sign up for a free copy of my new Seven Secrets to a Profitable Job Promotion video training series. Welcome to Women's Leadership Podcast, showing you how to influence people, improve your performance, and advance your career. Brought to you by women's leadership and career expert Sabrina Brahm and womensleadershipsuccess.com. Here's your chance to meet women trendsetters leading the way to success, accomplishment, and balance in business and life, no matter if you're a manager, CEO, or entrepreneur. Join Sabrina for coaching and no-nonsense advice to improve your career and bottom line. This is Sabrina Brahm with womensleadershipsuccess.com. In this segment of Women's Leadership Radio Podcast, we will talk with Ann Mannix and we'll be discussing how and why to get a position on a board. Now, even if you think you're never going to be on a board, listen anyway. You'll gain a lot of helpful career tips in this conversation. And you'll learn how being on a board will increase your cachet as a leader in your company, increase your visibility, and expand your network, which can open up your career choices and income. Over the next two shows, we'll we'll reveal several of the myths about being on a board. Let me tell you a little bit about Anne's impressive background. And first, I want to say that Anne's been a friend of mine for over 30 years, so I can say that I have been inspired by the incredible growth in her development over those um, 30 years, and she'll tell you more about that. Her career spans corporate management, boards, and not-for-profit experience. She was the president of the Howland Company, which manufactured and marketed the screw pull the premier corkscrew sold throughout world-class retailers like Harrods, Williams-Sonoma, and Bloomingdale's. Subsequently, she joined Drucker Research as managing partner specializing in business-to-business industrial research, branding, and competitive intelligence. Anne has served as an outside director to a number of publicly traded companies on the New York Stock Exchange. She currently serves on the board of Compex, which manufactures components for the security, office, and marine products industries. Welcome, Anne. Well, thank you so much. Um, It's a a great pleasure to have you on this call, and I wonder if you would tell some more about your background. Is there anything you would like to say about that? Well, you did a very nice job, and um, I I would say that... (laughs) I, I was thinking about it when we were having this discussion, and I think it all started when I was in first grade and organized a dog show in my neighborhood. <laughs> and it required, obviously, 
getting the dogs, getting the owners, uh, having a having a card table set up, prizes and everything else. Uh, and there were some downfalls. Somebody got bit, which is <laughs> my mother. But it it kind of was all like that. And that is, you know, taking a leadership position, but not just because. It was because it was fun. And um, in many of those cases in, in my career, uh, after college, I was lucky enough to really be in the first cut of women hired in a professional category, which was in 1975. And prior to 1975, it was very difficult for women graduating from college to be in anything other than um, really a secretarial or a staff position. But I was fortunate enough to be hired um, as in, in a company that was a very the first woman woman hired traditionally male company called Warner and Swayze that made machine tools, and I went through an engineering training program with them. So these, this was a, a very very good launching point um, and helped me differentiate myself as I got out into uh, into the working world. Wow! And that was one thing when I was looking over your uh, um, your bio and you were talking mentioning. Uh, boards you've been on and different companies, one of the things I noticed was it's not the the boards you've been on are not necessarily uh, women types of jobs. No. Um, Bearoid was a, a mud company for an oil field products. Uh, uh, NL, which is national lead, uh, you know, which is the no-no word, but that was a chemical company. And in, in fact, at the board level, in this country and in most countries, it is all male. Even if it's a female type industry, if you if there are any, uh, the the board members are primarily male. Right. That's um, and, and I guess maybe many of our le- our uh, listeners don't know that. Uh, do you have any idea of what the percentage is or? In well, it's it's funny because uh, uh, there was just an article this week in the Economist uh, saying that. Of all the corporate boards in the United States, uh, less than 16% of the board members are women. And we rank right up there with uh, China and India and Russia. <laughs> so so uh, the, the, the country that has the most board members is Norway, followed by Sweden. And there's surely an initiative, and you know, you and I have discussed Catalyst. I mean, Catalyst has been trying to help uh, companies or suggest to companies that they have women board members for a long time. Right. Well, I'm going to ask you a a question that wasn't originally one that we were going to talk about, and that is, what do you see as an advantage to having 50% of the people on boards be female? Do you see anything that would change? Well, you know, what I think would change, and I mean, one of the things that is true is that they have tracked and companies with female board members end up being more successful. And I'm not sure whether that's because uh, you're getting some different points of view or whether you're getting a little more um, conversation, a slight bit more diversity, or whether the whether whether, I mean, more females are in management now. Why wouldn't they be on boards if they're doing a good job? So right. I, I think that I I do believe that we would see less corruption. Although I've never seen that on any of my boards, but mm-hmm. uh, I think that there's an integrity and honesty that would would be added to the corporate board experience. Well, I I, I agree with that, and I like that. And just in terms of the audience listening, what 
why would somebody want to be on a board? Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes. Um, it is literally the pinnacle. It is where the action is. And I think that, plus it's very lucrative. Even the, um, uh, even the smallest New York Stock Exchange board, so if you're a board member, even for a company that's not uh, 3M or one of the larger ones, you have an income of between fifty and a hundred thousand dollars, and uh, that's 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 lucrative in itself. In addition to that, you see where the action is, and what I mean to say is that in the United States, the way that our country is run, it's run by big companies and board members, and these board members are not there just because uh, they've run a successful company. They are political leaders, or they're contributing to the political leaders. So you end up being in the know. You're ahead of the pack when you're when you're sitting on a board and talking about very very high level things. That's uh, how do you, how do you how do you think that has changed your thinking or uh, helped you develop yourself to have that experience of being around the, that type of thinking? It it what it has done for me is what it's made me. Um, really look at the big picture at all times. So it's reading the Wall Street Journal because it's interesting as opposed to because it's a duty. Uh, and I think that in many cases, I'm, I'm just able to look at the big picture, know that it's not just black and white, take a step back, because when you're dealing at the board level, as these men are, they are looking at a number of factors all the time. They're always looking at uh, what the political implications are, what the economic, what the international situation is um, as as decisions are made. And I think that for most most of us who are just uh, working stiffs, that's not always how we look at a decision. Mm-hmm. And can you relate that to how it's useful in your company when you're, when you're working in a company? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, and I'm working right now in, in the same competitive intelligence arena, mm-hmm. and it's, it it has a it, you know first of all it gives you some stature you have a little more confidence in what you're talking about because you know that maybe just last month you heard how things were going to be going or what the prediction of the economy was going to be from your board as you had dinner mm-hmm. so when you make a decision or you do a task you're bringing a lot more to that task even if it's just a uh, you know even if it's just writing a report. You have a perspective that you would never have. Mm-hmm. So uh, you, you really you get a bigger picture perspective. Sounds like you get better at critical thinking too and strategy. It, you you definitely get better at critical thinking because you have more elements that you enter into uh, into your decision making. Incredible. Not to mention the fact that if you're in a situation at work where you, you're, you're not sure of what's going on or if there's something, you might have someone that you can call. I've certainly called one of my board members and said, you know, I'm, I'm looking at this, you know, what's your opinion? You know, you were just over in Africa. What do you think is going to be happening? Wow. So, so that's a real resource. Mm-hmm. And even when my son was looking for a job, I mean, who do you think I called? I called the guys on the board. Wow. Yeah. So it, it helps in lots of ways. So... You've got me convinced. I'm, I'm ready to get on a board. So how does how do you how do you do that? And uh, one of the things that you said when we were talking offline before was there's there's some myths about 
you know, what you have to do or how it's almost impossible. And I, can you talk a little bit about the myths and then about how to get on the board? Yes. Um, here, the myth, and, and when I moved to Detroit, I, I told Sabrina that uh, I, I immediately looked at uh, the Women's Economic Forum and, you know, wanted to talk to them and uh, they wanted to talk to me about boards. And in an initial conversation, the, the head of the organization said, oh, well, you make it sound too easy. That's, that's not going to go. And I think even Catalyst uh, has made it sound like you literally need to be a president of a division or have um, have invented something special that you have to have years and years of bottom line uh, P&L experience. Uh, and, and certainly that is, would be a help, but not everybody has that. And if you look, if you take some time to look at uh, corporate boards in America today, and pick out some of the some of them. You will see, you will see people with titles, uh, men with titles, and maybe they're just some local guys that have been uh, lawyers, or maybe they're somebody that's head of a, a private equity firm or a construction company. Um, but his main talent is that he knows the CEO, mm-hmm. and so that I guess that that brings me to the the, the part of the myth is that. Even if you are a president of a division of a com- company, that doesn't mean you're going to get on a board. And and why would people? How do people get on boards? Uh, I, I'm just gonna. T- I guess it would be just helpful to just just do a snapshot of of how I got on the board. Would that be helpful? Yes. Um, I was living in Houston, and I was president of a company, but you know, a seven million dollar company, not a seventy million dollar company, and it made corkscrews. Mm-hmm. But I was very active. And um, I was active in a group called Leadership Houston, which is very much like any of these leadership forums. Mm-hmm. And through Leadership Houston, I was I became active on some nonprofit boards like um, the Urban League and some others. And then I started on a speaking circuit at very small organizations, you know, Rotary clubs, uh, women's conferences, where I talked about being a CEO and what. It, what the responsibilities were and what it was like. And through those, I met other CEOs. And one of the CEOs had just, or one of the individuals had just been promoted to be a CEO of a publicly traded company. He knew me from Leadership Houston, where I would speak, and he knew me from my speaking circuit. And and so he asked me to become a member of the board. And And so I guess I would say to others is that, well, you have to be out there, and you have to you have to look at um, look at some of the organizations in your area. I live in Detroit. Um, I would, if I were looking at for board positions right now, I would look at some of the companies that had local that were had local boards, local headquarters. Pick out who those board members are. See if you know any of them. I mean, it's very possible that you or someone that you know knows some of these people. And then look for an introduction. I, I mean, it sounds it sounds simplistic, but I think that just putting your name in the Catalyst book as somebody who is would be willing to serve on a board is different than actively pursuing a company. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and and even if you know, I was thinking of another situation where where visibility came in. Uh, in the competitive research business, 
you know, that's not exactly a, uh, that's not something that is sought out. It's not a bottom line uh, factory job that uh, where I have a division experience. But one of the things that I offered to do for a local country club where many people were, uh, many prominent men were on the board, mm-hmm. is that we I offered to do a competitive analysis to see where their position was vis-a-vis their competitors, other country clubs in the area. Well, of course, this was huge, and I got to make a little PowerPoint presentation to the country club board. Well, who do they think is a genius? Mm-hmm. And, and so, and, but that's random. I mean, it, it took my own time. My company was happy to see me do it because I gave, was giving some introductions. And I don't, I'm not trying to toot my own horn. It's just that I think there's just a lot of different ways that, that people can present themselves as leaders. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, what, what I'm hearing too is you're, you're proactive. You're not sitting there waiting for uh, somebody to notice you. <laughs> you're, you're out there showing what you can do and, and showing the value you have. That's right. And it's amazing to me. I was in a conversation recently with uh, somebody on a, you know, we weren't talking about boards, mm-hmm. but he said, you know, you'd be surprised how few qualified women there are. I said, Dave, please don't even say that. He said, well, we just don't really know how to get women on our board. And so, of course, I sent him a board resume immediately. But, um, but, but that's the, that is still the prevailing thinking in this kind of glacier-like speed uh, that that boards move in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, so you send them your resume, and you keep looking for ways to, to influence what's going on, influence people's opinion of you and of women being on boards. Yes. And it's just wonderful. Um, is, it, is it helpful to show your expertise like when you're talking about that country club so you competitive analysis that's something you know how to do right but i that's not what was that wasn't the prevailing shining thing i think it's it's having and i hate to keep saying men but it's having uh men who are possibly on a board or recommending a board position see you as a leader so the expertise allowed me to to look like a leader, but it wasn't the expertise that they will remember. Um, when I did a report recently for the Women's Golf Committee, I didn't say we all had a really good time and the golf was good. I said, you know, statistically the numbers were X, uh, we had X amount of rounds. So it wasn't my golfing ability. It was somehow that I talk their language. Mm-hmm. And it's like a foreign language, and I think you and I both know that in in the world of men, they do they do speak a different language. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is a, a slight aside, but how do you learn that language? What's what's a way that you can begin to understand the language of the boys' game? Well, I I'm, and I think that this this is uh you know these are lessons that sound very old fashioned, but it, it's sports, it's competitive behavior, it's aggressive, you know, it's 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 trying to be the best. It's never being apologetic, and that's something that he, I had the opportunity to to do uh, when I was in high school playing playing sports. Mm-hmm. That that makes a lot of sense. And and but it's it's 
it's talked about, it's talked about, but I see, you know, a lot of young women in my company, they still are apologetic. They still don't get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even even to the point of apologizing for saying something. You know, yeah. like, excuse <laughs> me. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Don't look back. Yeah. Right, right. So... Getting back to getting on a board, so the, being active was, was one thing. And what are, what are the qualities that you should keep developing yourself that would make you more uh, ready to be on a board? Well, let's say that let's say you identified in your um, in your neck of the woods that there were two or three companies that you thought you would have a good fit for. A mm-hmm. because you because uh, you knew a couple of people. B because you respect the industry. Um, or see that it's nearby, and 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 then you see that maybe some of those people happen to be on a charity that you you've always thought was pretty darn good. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe it's time to step up to the plate and and do some work for that charity, mm-hmm. and 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 demonstrate again demonstrate the fact that you are out there, you know how to handle yourself, um, that you can that you can pitch in, and and so that. You are seen as a peer. That's a, there's very few ways to be seen as a peer with someone who's a CEO or a board me- member, other than something in the in the charitable world or volunteer world or or something else. And mm-hmm. one, of the, one of the things I was thinking of too is, uh, it, it, we talked a little bit about this. Uh, you know, if you're in a staff position like human resources, mm-hmm. well, what if what if you were to write a white paper? You know, on uh, on something that you've observed that really has contributed to the bottom line as you go through the hiring process. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe that white paper would be very valuable to a charity. I mean, there's just there's ways of promoting yourself, and that's those are the qualities: promotion, uh, perspective, and leadership that mm-hmm. I th- I think are really valued. And if you think about people, and I'm, I'm sure the listeners know too, if you think about the span of your career, there are not that many people that seem to demonstrate that. Right, and and it's 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 is like playing sports. It's a skill you have to practice. Oh, absolutely, Sabrina. I spoke at a high school recently, and they said, you know, how do you you know how do you be successful? And I said, well, you you have to just practice it. It is practice, practice. You just practice being successful. It's not something that all of a sudden is is bestowed upon you. Mm-hmm. Practice being successful, practice showing that you have leadership qualities. Yep. Practice showing that you know how to speak in meetings, practice showing that you know how to how to um think strategically or or think big picture. Yes, yes. And mm-hmm. and really being, you know, when you when you have those qualities, guess what? You have a really better perspective. You're not doing these knee jerky, uh you're not whining you're not uh making arbitrary decisions because you have this ability to kind of step back. Mhm. And it's something you have to keep doing. Yeah. And yeah. you mentioned before when we were talking offline that profit and loss uh knowing profit and loss was really important on a board. Yes. Can you explain that? Well, I mean basically basically the you know the knowing the P&L and Understanding financial accounting is is essential, and I even took a little course called financial accounting for the non financial executive, um, because despite the fact that on all boards 
there are financial experts, and you do not need to be a financial expert. Mm-hmm. There's some um, mysterious link between people who have really contributed and understand the bottom line to people that are going to be able to contribute on a board. And and the key for, for somebody who's in a staff position is to show that they have that link to the bottom line, is to demonstrate that they understand that by hiring people and hiring the right people, even though their their group doesn't go to the bottom line, that it impacts the bottom line. Mm-hmm. And you see boards now, you know, that have uh, women academics on them. Well, they don't know anything about the bottom line, but that they have other qualities, obviously. Yeah. Well, what else? We're we're almost at the end of our time, and I'm wondering, is there anything else that you could do to be on a board that would be help to get on a board well i think that i i think it's a process just like looking for a job start doing your research it, this this is all especially for public companies this is all available as you go on a website and then you start listing you you make a very good list of all these board members and another clue is that if you're working at a if you yourself are working at a company uh, and you have an auditor, your auditors might know their auditors. And so every publicly traded company will indicate, you know, that they're being audited by Deloitte or PwC, and all of a sudden there's another whole avenue for you. So you might be you might be friends with the person that's head of the automotive practice for PricewaterhouseCoopers. Mm-hmm. And you don't so even you, know it because you haven't looked at who's on the board. Yep, uh-huh. that's right. So... Uh, all and the beauty about publicly traded companies, as I say, you can just uh, sit, you know, commit to sit uh, in front of your computer, and you can put together a huge list. And then you find out, oh, that person's on that board too. Mm-hmm. Oh, I had no idea, and he's friends with so and so. Well, so you start to develop that, and it's not easy, but it's but it's the only way you're going to do it. These boards are not going to go to Catalyst and ask them to pick somebody for them. He wants, yeah, and let me just say one other thing. Mm -hmm. Board chairs are not going to look for somebody that's going to cause them trouble. They want to know this person before they put them on a board. Um, They're not looking for, and I wouldn't say the word diversity. They don't care about the color or the person, you know, whether Mm -hmm. it's the gender. They want to know that this is someone they can trust, that's like-minded, that they can have uh collegiality with on a board situation. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's really, really good advice. And I, I really, it, it's so doable. You know? It is doable, and it, it's fun, and it has been really fun for me since I've been on board since 1988. Wow. And I, these are my good pals. That's that's wonderful. So I, I would say go get it. This is, boards are in 2012 are going to start to look bad if they don't have women on them. Start with a medium cap company, and 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 just work it. Right. And if if you're not ready to do that, start with a nonprofit board. Absolutely, you can get the board experience and be on the audit committee and be on the finance committee. That's a great. That's actually a great piece of advice. Sabrina. Yeah. That's that's wonderful. So thank you so much for spending this time with us. And we're going to end this right now. And we will. Um, interview you again for what to do once you get on the board. Well, so, thank you so much. It was probably hard to shut me up. 
Not really. <laughs> thank you so much, and thank we'll you, talk Sabrina. to you later. Bye-bye. Thank bye. you so much, Sabrina. Bye-bye. Be sure to listen next month to Part 2, Board Members Rule, How to Be an Excellent Member, and to register for a free copy of the 7 Secrets to a Profitable Job Promotion video training, go to www.womensleadershipsuccess.com and sign up on the form that appears on the screen after a moment. Thanks for listening. Thank you for joining your host, Sabrina Brom, on another Women's Leadership Podcast. If you have questions or comments, you can email her at sabrina at sabrinabrahm.com. Since 1989, Sabrina and her team have helped hundreds of women managers, business leaders, and entrepreneurs with valuable trainings, articles, books, and executive coaching. For additional tips, interviews, and free access to Great Leaders Today mini-course, visit www.womensleadershipsuccess.com.